Happy Saturday and thank you for joining me today. On November 20th, 1942, Joseph R. Biden was born and he grew up in the blue-collar city of Scranton in northeast Pennsylvania. Um, his father, Joseph Biden Sr., was a used car sales he was a used car salesman and cleaned furnaces. Joe Biden's mother was Catherine Eugenia Jean Finnegan. Uh, he attended St. Paul's he attended St. Paul's Elementary School in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Um, when Joe Biden was 10 years old, uh, the Biden family decided to move to Claymont, Delaware to find better work. As a child, Joe Biden grappled with stuttering and kids mocked him for it. Um, essentially just mocking him as I as I previously stated. Um, eventually, he overcame his speech impediment by memorizing poetry and long passages and also reciting them out loud in front of the mirror. He attended the St. Helena School until he worked, until he, excuse me, until he was accepted into the prestigious Archmere Academy. Um, I believe that might be Archmere. Um, in order to assist his family in, in affording tuition, Biden worked by washing the school windows and weeding the gardens. In 1961, Biden graduated from Arkmere and went on to attend the University of Delaware. Uh, during his time there, he studied history and political science and also played football. Um, he later admitted that he spent the first two years in college more dedicated to football, girls, and parties than, ap than excuse me than academics. Um, but he also became very intrigued in politics during these years, and that was in part because of the inspiring inauguration of our nation's 35th president, President John Fitzgerald Kennedy in 1961, when he and his running mate, uh, which was President Kennedy and Lyndon B. Johnson, assuming the office becoming president and vice president. Then, on a spring break trip to the Bahamas during his junior year, um, Biden met a student at Syracuse University named Nelia Hunter, and they fell in love. He was encouraged by her and dedicated more to his studies and dedicated more time to his studies and was later accepted into Syracuse University, Syracuse University Law School upon graduating from Delaware in 1965. In 1966, he and Nelia got married. Um, he was described as one of the best law students, and after graduating from law school in 1968, Joe Biden moved to Wa excuse me, Joe Biden moved to Wilmington, Delaware, to begin practicing at a law firm. Also, he became sort of an an active and just very very active participant in the Democratic Party. And in 1970, Joe Biden was elected to the Newcastle County Council. In 1971, when he was serving as a councilman, uh, Biden began his own law firm. Subsequently, Biden had three children, uh, Joseph Biden III, Hunter Biden, and Naomi Biden. Biden says, and Biden said in a statement, quote, everything was happening faster than I, than I expected, end quote. Uh, one year later, in 1972, the Delaware Democratic Party encouraged 29-year-old Joe Biden to run against the very popular incumbent Republican Senator J. Klaibs Boggs. Many people believed that he did not have a chance. I mean, literally not. I mean, J. Caleb Boggs is so popular at this point. He is an incumbent Republican Senator. Oh, 29 years old, he does not have a chance. Um, his sister, Valerie Biden Owen, served as his campaign manager, and both of his parents campaigned for him daily. Um, and 48 years, 48 years ago today, Joe Biden won that seat. Uh, this was reporting from ABC News at the time. 
The youngest new face in the U.S. Senate next year will be that of Democrat Joseph Biden of Delaware. So young, in fact, that at the time of his election on November 7th, Biden was not yet old enough to serve. Yesterday, that problem was resolved. ABC Capitol Hill correspondent Bob Clark has the story. They gave a surprise party yesterday for Joe Biden, who will make history because of his age when he takes his seat in the new Senate. looking father of three young children was celebrating his 30th birthday. That makes him just old enough to be a United States Senator, 30 being the minimum age prescribed by the Constitution. Biden, a liberal Democrat, pulled one of the big upsets of the election by unseating a 63-year-old Republican, Caleb Boggs. In Washington today, he was having trouble convincing some people he really is a senator and having some doubts about the Senate seniority system while hoping older members won't hold his age against him. I expect these fellows are going to uh, uh, eventually uh, judge me on my merit, not on my age, and uh, I have to establish that merit, assuming there is any there. I don't think it's going to be much of a problem. I, beyond uh, having other senator staffs think I'm applying for a job or as a page or something. Would you like to see some changes in the seniority system? <laughs> well. I would like to see some changes in the seniority system, but, uh, and it's not going to make any difference for my saying this, but it's not because I'm 30 and coming in. I, I think that the seniority system uh, has many more drawbacks and it has merits. Where I'm not going to lead any move to change that in my formative years in the Senate, but were there to be such a vote to come up, I clearly would vote to eliminate the seniority system. Uh, the indications are that you may be 100th in seniority, the last man on the totem pole <laughs> in the Senate. Does that bother you? Well, no, it doesn't. As a matter of fact, I think it's sort of amusing uh, um, that uh, I probably have the least seniority of anyone ever to enter this august body. Biden worked in a borrowed office today, holding interviews, sorting through 1,400 job applications from people who want to work on his Senate staff. If he stays in the Senate till the end of this century, he'll be 57, the average age of senators now. By the way, Bob Clark, Clark ABC News, Washington. That was reporting from ABC News in 1972 when Joe Biden became the fifth youngest U.S. senator um, in, in the country. So, so much greatness was happening and everything was going well. Um, but then a week before Christmas in 1972, in the winter of 1972, just a week before Christmas, Joe Biden's wife, Nelia, and their three children were involved in a horrific car accident. This was reporting from CBS News in 1972 when that devastating news broke. Just a week before Christmas, 1972, the wife of newly elected Senator Joe Biden and their baby daughter were killed and their two sons badly injured when the Biden family car was broadsided by a truck at this intersection in Delaware. The truck driver, Curtis Dunn, was never charged in the crash, but his daughter, Pam Hamill, says he too suffered. He grieved over that. He was haunted and tormented by that for years. Dunn died in 1999, but since then, his family has endured widespread rumors and reports that he had been drinking just before the collision. At least twice, Biden himself has made public references to alcohol being involved in the crash. In 2007, Biden said the truck driver, quote, allegedly drank his lunch. And multiple news outlets, including CBS News, have reported that Dunn was drunk. 
Hamill disputes that, saying her dad had not been drinking. The truth is, it was a tragic accident. No alcohol was involved. The police reports have been lost. But Delaware Judge Jerome Hurley, who investigated the crash, supports Hamill. He tells CBS News there was no indication that the truck driver had been drinking. Last fall, a spokesman for Biden said Biden fully accepts the Dunn family's word that these rumors were false. Now, Pam Hamill simply wants the record to be cleared. He was a good, hardworking man and a wonderful father. And her father's reputation restored. Bob Orr, CBS News, Newark, Delaware. So that was reporting from CBS News, but one clarification there, that was actually CBS News reporting from 2009. Um, That accident was so emotional and so difficult for Joe Biden that he considered resigning to to spend time with his children. Um, But ultimately, he honored his, excuse me, he considered, my apologies, Um, Biden was not actually sworn in yet as a U.S. senator, Um, but... uh, Essentially, after that accident was so emotional and so difficult for Joe Biden that he essentially <laughs> essentially did not want to assume that position as a U.S. senator representing the people of Delaware. Um, but ultimately, he honored his commitment and continued representing the people of Delaware in the Senate. Um, Biography.com writes, quote, He skipped the swearing-in ceremony for new senators in Washington and instead took the oath of office from his son's hospital from his from his son's hospital room in order to spend as much time as possible with his sons biden decided to continue to live in washington commuting to and from washington each day by amtrak train a practice he maintained through his entire long tenure in the senate end quote in 1990, excuse me, in 1977, um, Joe Biden married Jill Biden, and Senator Biden was in the Senate through the Robert Bork Supreme Court hearings, the 1994 crime bill, which he has since said was a mistake, the Anita Hill hearings, Watergate, and so much more. And because things were going so well, so well for Joe Biden, he decided to run for president again the second time, excuse me, the first time he decided to run for president um, in 1987, his first attempt for the presidency of the United States. Um, he later dropped out of the Democratic primary and he had been suffering from severe headaches um, during the campaign. Um, one of the major reasons why he dropped out of that, why one of the major reasons why he dropped out of that race was because he plagiarized a speech, um, which he later apologized for. Later on, doctors discovered that he had two life-threatening brain aneurysms. Um, He underwent surgery and survived and became, and essentially because he was so resilient, uh, Senator Biden returned to the U.S. Senate after a seven-month recovery period. 20 years later, after his first unsuccessful presidential bid um, in 2007, he ran for president again and ultimately failed. But in 2000, in the two, in that 2007 race, the front runners were Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. Seven months later, Barack Obama was awarded the Democratic nomination and chose Joe Biden as his running mate. With Biden on the ticket, he helped Obama win the states of Ohio and the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Ultimately, on November 2nd, 2008, the Obama-Biden ticket won. Barack Obama became the first African-American president elected in the United States of American history. Barack Obama went on to become the president-elect, and Joe Biden became the vice president-elect. 
Um, this was reporting from CBS News, excuse me, not CBS News, this is reporting from Sky News at the time, 12 years ago, at that, mo when the, at, during that, such a remarkable moment, d during this momentous moment in November of 2008, when Barack Obama won the presidency of the United States. Across America, the celebrations were long and loud. People poured onto the streets as Obama's overwhelming victory was confirmed. For many, the result brought relief and joy. It took people to get their butts kicked to finally stand up for change, and I've been waiting for this for a long time. And as I'm a black American, now I feel that we can do anything. See, before they were just saying it, but now we have somebody to look up to and we can see, yes, we can. I feel vindicated. I feel what Barack did. He did it for all African Americans that go out and work hard every day. New York's iconic Times Square, the very heart of this great city, overflowed. For some, Obama's triumph brought inspiration as well as celebration. It's not my way, the cowboy way, or the highway anymore. You know, we're a great nation, and tonight our democracy has spoken. Black America, look, try to get your education. Young youth, try to get your education as much as you can. And some of y'all are not gonna like what I'm about to say, but pull your pants up. Pull your pants up. It was more like New Year's Eve in Times Square as the revelers soaked up this moment in history. And today, they will wake up to a new year. A new era in an America that promises to be much more united. Absolutely remarkable. November in 2008, Barack Obama um, declared the winner of the race becoming the president-elect, president-elect Barack Obama. On January 20th, 2009, Barack Obama and Joe Biden were sworn in as president and vice president of the United States. In 2013, excuse me, in 2012, they were re-elected. And two years later, Joe Biden suffered um, a... a Three years later, actually, uh, Joe Biden suffered another personal loss when he lost his son, Beau Biden, due to brain cancer at the young age of 46. In 2016, Joe Biden considered running for president, but withdrew that decision when it was clear that Hillary Clinton um, would do so. On January 12th, 2017, um, President Barack Obama awarded Joe Biden the Presidential Medal of Freedom two years Two years later, um, on, on April 25th, 2019, uh, Joe Biden announced his run for the presidency of the United States. He announced that he was running for president of the United States. Here was his, um, here was Joe Biden's speech. Here was his announcement. Charlottesville, Virginia is home to the author of one of the great documents in human history. We know it by heart. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. We've heard it so often, it's almost a cliche, but it's who we are. We haven't always lived up to these ideals. Jefferson himself didn't, but we have never before walked away from them. Charlottesville is also home to a defining moment for this nation in the last few years. Yeah. 
It was there on August of 2017 we saw Klansmen and white supremacists and neo-Nazis come out in the open. Their crazed faces, illuminated by torches, veins bulging, and bearing the fangs of racism, chanting the same anti-Semitic bile heard across Europe in the 30s. And they were met by a courageous group of Americans, and a violent clash ensued. And a brave young woman lost her life. And that's when we heard the words of the President of the United States that stunned the world and shocked the conscience of this nation. He said there were, quote, some very fine people on both sides. Very fine people on both sides? With those words, the President of the United States assigned a moral equivalence between those spreading hate and those of the courage to stand against it. And in that moment, I knew the threat to this nation was unlike any I had ever seen in my lifetime. I wrote at the time that we're in the battle for the soul of this nation. Well, that's even more true today. We are in the battle for the soul of this nation. I believe history will look back on four years of this president and all he embraces as an aberrant moment in time. But if we give Donald Trump eight years in the White House, he will forever and fundamentally alter the character of this nation, who we are. And I cannot stand by and watch that happen. The core values of this nation are standing in the world, our very democracy. Everything that has made America, America is at stake. That's why today I'm announcing my candidacy for president of the United States. Uh, but uh, once again, that was... Uh former Vice President Joe Biden, uh, addressing the nation, essentially declaring that he will be running for president of the United States. Um, that was essentially part of his announcement speech. I encourage you to actually go on YouTube and search up Joe Biden announces run for the presidency and watch the entire thing. It's just absolutely remarkable, well-technologically put-together video of him announcing his presidency. Um, Biography.com writes, quote, after Trump's impeachment trial ended with his acquittal on February 5th, 2020, Biden finished fourth in the Iowa caucuses and then fifth in the New Hampshire primary. Uh, but he rebounded and with a resounding win in South Carolina at the end of the month and continued his momentum by claiming his by, by claiming the majority of delegates from Super Tuesday voting in early March, his surge driving one of his top one driving most of his top competitors um, essentially out of the race. End quote. Um, yeah, and some people did believe that Joe Biden was done and that he just should drop out. Uh, nevertheless, due to the remarkable and inspiring and absolutely just influential endorsement of South Carolina Democratic House Majority uh, Whip Jim Clyburn. He won that primary, and it reinvigorated his campaign. Um, on August 11th of this year, Joe Biden chose Kamala Harris to be his vice president, and later in the month, he officially became the Democratic nominee. It also is worth mentioning um, that essentially in March, when Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, essentially the last two contenders in the 2020 primaries in that race, were on the debate stage, were at that scene in debate in early March, Joe Biden committed to choosing a female for his vice president, and he ultimately delivered on that promise. And on August 11th of this year, he chose Kamala Harris to be his vice president. Then, 
the vice presidential and vice pre excuse then the presidential and vice presidential debates transpired. Um, and after all of that loss and all of that heartbreak and, and political continuation in public office, and after two failed attempts to essentially obtain the office of the presidency of the United States, today, Joe Biden won the election, becoming president-elect after winning the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, which was his, which is his home state. Um, he has defeated Donald Trump, an incumbent president, which is very, very rare. And the last incumbent president to lose re-election was George Herbert Walker Bush in 1992 to Bill Clinton. Donald Trump now joins that list. Joe Biden uh, won the most votes in the history of presidential elections, earning more than 74 million votes. Today, when President-elect Joe Biden won the presidential election, he said in a statement, quote, I am honored and humbled by the trust the American people have placed in me and in Vice President-elect Harris. In the face of unprecedented obstacles, a record number of Americans voted, providing once again that democracy, proving once again that democracy beats deep in the heart of America. With that, with the campaign over, it's time to put the anger and the harsh rhetoric behind us and come together as a nation. It's time for America to unite and to heal. We are the United States of America, and there's nothing we can't do if we do it together. End quote. Just an absolutely remarkable moment today, not just a win for the Biden campaign, but essentially a win for us, us as a democratic republic. 244 years ago to, excuse me, 244 years ago, we became a democratic republic and we have lasted for now 244 years as a democratic republic. And as people are monitoring this election since Tuesday night, just wondering, is this, are we witnessing the end of our Democratic Republic experiment? Are we witnessing the end of this wonderful experiment that we have had in this nation? Are we witnessing the end of that? And Joe Biden winning the election today, it, it's sort of like a sign of relief for apolitical institutions and for, for just the things that have essentially been eradicated under this president. Democratic norms essentially being eradicated under this president. Us uh, us essentially standing as a on the world stage. <laughs> Our world reputation has been badly diminished. And you know, it it was remarkable today to see lots of world foreign foreign our foreign allies congratulating um president elect Joe Biden. Uh one person saying, "Quote, welcome back America." End quote. I mean, it's it's just a remarkable moment. Today, we have seen celebrations all over the nation as people receive the news of this historic win. Um, Joe Biden is the president-elect, and Kamala Harris has now made history as the first black and Indian American vice president-elect. The first female vice president-elect as well. Um, they will be sworn in on January 20th, 2021, which is approximately 74 days from now. Um, that essentially does give President Trump, essentially, if he wants to sort of, especially since President Trump has not conceded this election yet, and the president is still reportedly infuriated, that does technically give President Trump his these the, the 74 days to express his sort of vitriol, and it's still enragement um, as we are monitoring these 74 days heading into the inauguration of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. 
Um, today, President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris gave their gave their victory speeches to the nation. Um, I was thinking about playing that on the show today, but I, <laughs> I I don't necessarily want to like put in a clip of those highlights. I would actually like you to go witness that yourself. So on YouTube, you can type in those speeches and you can find them on YouTube. I want you to watch those in full. I'm not going to play like a sort of short clip here on the show. I want you to actually go and witness this historical moment. Watch that in full. Um, Joe Biden, uh, President-elect Joe Biden, excuse me, I'm going to get used to saying that now. Uh, President-elect Joe Biden today, uh, when he spoke to the nation, he pledged that he would not only represent the people that voted for him, but the people who voted for President Donald Trump as well. And that is just such a remarkable sort of coalescing point as we still are a divided nation. I mean, er, Right now, Joe Biden has more than 74 million popular votes, and Donald Trump has more than 70 million electoral votes as popular votes as well. And so that does stay that does still say that we are a very, very divided nation. And many people still support the president, and many people also support now President-elect Joe Biden. And so to hear President-elect Joe Biden say that today was just absolutely remarkable in terms of moving on in the next step of governing. In the nation. And as the Biden victory was announced today, many news organizations, including BuzzFeed News, um, interviewed Americans all over the country and asked them how they felt, asked them how and what they felt during this moment. Um, 17-year-old, Zoe, 17-year-old Zoe Zisser said, quote, thank you, but it's not over yet. You have to keep going. Adida Rayo, Adida Rayo said, quote, thank you, Thank you for running for us. Thank you for fighting for us. And thank you for saving our democracy. End quote. Uh, this is Mika. Quote, Joe Biden, thank you. This is the beginning. We got a lot of work to do. We're going to hold you accountable. We're going to keep moving forward to make this country better and united. End quote. This is really a remarkable, a remarkably historic moment in our nation you will one day be able to tell your future children and grandchildren uh, where you were on this day. I was sitting in my bedroom at my desk when the results came in, astonished. And remember this day, November 7th, 2020, when Joe Biden became the president-elect and when Kamala Harris made history as the first black and, fem- as the first black and Indian American female to become vice president-elect here in these United States of America. More to come tonight. Stay with us. In this world where people are staying at home, many of life's moments are being put on hold. At Carvana, we understand that for some, getting a car just can't wait. That's why the new way to buy and sell a car is also the safer way. At Carvana, you can do it all 100% online from home with a touchless delivery and pickup process to keep you safe. And for even greater peace of mind, all Carvana cars come with a seven-day return policy. So if you need to keep moving, it's our goal to keep you safe. Check out Carvana, the safer way to buy a car. At a time when we're asked to sacrifice, we step up to do our part. On the home front. On the front lines. To lend a helping hand and hold each other up. We are resilient vigilant and we'll get through this because we're better together 
even if we're a little farther apart. Joining me now for the interview is the Chief Meteorologist for DTN, uh, Mr. Jim Forrester. Uh, DTN is the largest company in the world for meteorology, and Mr. Jim Forrester joins me now. Mr. Forrester, thank you so much for coming on the show. Very nice to be here, Jeremiah. Thank you for asking me. Uh, you're welcome. So we have seen many hurricanes this year. Could you explain why that is and what exactly this means? We saw uh, an above average year for storms. We had we had predicted this back, you know, before the season began. A lot of the a lot of the things that we look for uh, were all coming together, um, and and uh, one of those big factors was the uh, warm water temperatures where these storms usually form uh, off of off of Africa and then over towards us, towards the Caribbean and, and the Gulf. That whole area was and still is uh, very much warmer than it usually is that you know historically has been, mm -hmm. and um, we uh, and that in, in combination with some upper air patterns that were favorable really looked like it would be an above average year, and so, sometimes we look at the maps and and they're not favorable. You know, there's there's different things. The temperatures are cold or something like that, but. In this case, everything came together and it looked like it was going to be an active year. So the main factor really is the warm waters. Hmm. Um, hurricane season concludes on November 30th. Um, as a meteorologist sort of analyzing this situation, um, should we expect more hurricanes uh, before this season is over? Well, that's a good question, Jeremiah. Certainly the chances are, are, are go way down. Uh, hmm. we, we may have another named storm, for example, it might, it might not just get to hurricane strength, um, but uh, it has happened. Uh, one of the most active years we've ever had in hurricanes before this year was 2005. That was the year of Hurricane Katrina. Mm -hmm. That was the, the most famous storm, if you will, that year, but there was others that were very, very bad. And that year, a storm formed in, in December and actually went until till January. So it became the first storm of the next year, if you will, which mm. was extremely rare. Uh, so it's happened before. And frankly, honestly, it, 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 this is the kind of pattern where it would happen again. Uh, the, the water is still very warm. Uh, we could see what happened with, with Hurricane Ada here mm -hmm. uh, down in Honduras and, and Nicaragua. It was just devastating. Uh, so many people affected by that storm. And, it just basically blew up in two days. Uh, that usually doesn't happen. Uh, so the storms are intensifying rapidly and, and the water is still very warm. So we could see more storms. And this time of year, if they form, they usually do form in the Caribbean, uh, mm -hmm. not over by Africa. So uh, we're, we're kind of in the area where they, they sometimes form. Um, yesterday, news organizations and new, multiple news reports indicated that Hurricane Ida um, is heading for South Florida. Um, what kind of damage could that cause, um, give, essentially given the severity of the hurricane? Yeah, it's um, it, it's not a hurricane at this point. It, it, okay. it lost a little bit of its potency. Uh, it, it, it could regain that. Uh, but right now, the, the storm is, is it still has to get through uh, some land, it has to, it's gonna go across parts of Cuba. And that, that really causes a lot of differences in our, in our weather models. Uh, uh, it, it just, 
the confidence in it becomes a little bit lower. So right now it looks like it tries to make a little bit run at South Florida and then, you know, turns a little bit away and goes back over the Northern Gulf. And some of the models, unfortunately, have it going over to New Orleans area, you know, yeah. that far west. So I would say the confidence right now is not all that high. But if it were to head towards Southern Florida, even as a tropical storm, it would bring, you know, 35 to 50 mile an hour winds, um, you know, storm surge waves and, and uh, certainly, uh, you know, in, impactful for the land areas. But we're, we're mm. a couple of days away from, from that right now of, of really knowing exactly where it's gonna be, but it, it, it's gonna be around for a while because it's moving very, very slowly right now. Mm -hmm. Um, in 2000, we have now sort of surpassed the record because um, in 2005, um, there are, I, I, I believe there are 27 named storms and hurricanes. Now we have passed that with Hurricane Ida sitting at 28. Um, what does this necessarily mean for us um, as we are currently grappling with this just very, very active hurricane season? Uh, yeah, well, again, it's, 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 the, the amount of storms has been higher this year. We're, we're fortunate that, you know, most of them haven't been catastrophic, you know, category five like storms uh, mm -hmm. that, you know, we, we always remember those and, you know, we, we retire the names and you yeah. know, they, they become, they become part of our history. We've had a lot of relatively, you know, minor storms, but they've caused a tremendous amount of flooding. That's really been the problem uh, with slow moving storms. They, they, they form, a lot of storm surge and that's and, and there's, there's storm surge and there's waves so imagine the storm surge being the height of the water and then the waves are on top of that so if you have a 10-foot storm surge coming into a place like new orleans that means the water is 10 feet higher and then there's 10 to 20 foot waves mm. so it causes a tremendous amount of flooding um and when these storms move slow like they have this year uh, so that's what's causing most of the you know, the damage, uh, you know, this year it has been the amount of incredible amounts of rain with these storms. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a cause for concern, you know, flooding, flooding is a very dangerous thing. And it, it, it particularly with, you know, with COVID people have nowhere to evacuate and, mm -hmm. you know, you, you kind of got to maybe wait it out and hope for the best. And so it can be very dangerous. So, um, we expected an active year, so we're not, you know, we're not surprised at the amount of storms. Fortunately, we haven't had any, you know, intense, you know, memorable storms like Katrina. Yeah. That, you know, we still talk about that today, like like it was, you know, a couple couple years ago, but it was a long time ago now. Mm -hmm. um, how has how has climate change um, played a role in causing major environmental um, sort of ramifications from these hurricanes? Well, the um, the the seas are are getting higher. Uh, you know, uh, that's that's a fact. So, mm -hmm. and certain parts of the world is happening a little faster than than others. Uh, you know, due to a variety of factors, mostly melting uh, of the polar ice, um, and that is causing sea levels to rise. And and even just a, a few centimeters or you know an inch or two, it doesn't seem like much. But when that happens over, you know, a century. It, 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 it really affects a lot of coastal areas and that's where a lot of very nice homes are and, and communities all over the world really. Uh, people like the beach, it's, it's nice. Mm -hmm. um, so then when you put tropical systems on top of that, we, we've always had hurricanes, but when you put them on top of a 
of rising seas uh, that that is um, you know that's causing more flooding and more more overland uh, flooding. The other factor that I, I think is directly related is I mentioned the warm water temperatures. Um, our water absorbs a lot of, of carbon from the atmosphere, and we're putting a lot of it in there. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, we, we knew many, many, many years ago the models were all saying the waters were going to warm. And you know, we talked a lot about climate change, and a lot of people didn't understand like, really what it meant. Well, this mm -hmm. is one of the things it it does. It if it warms water up uh, warmer than it's ever has been, uh, as far as we know, that's going to have a dramatic effect on storms that that mm. form over the water. And most of the earth, of course, is water. Uh, so uh, we're seeing storms just explode uh, in intensity faster. Like they go from like nothing to to really strong hurricanes mm. in a short period of time. So that doesn't allow for as much warning as people might have been used to in the past when storms formed a little slower or there was a little bit more advanced. But um, the main thing is that the rising uh, water is, you know, you, you put tropical storms on top of that that are, are, are you know, uh, some years, I mean, this year isn't, uh, you know, it's, it's happened before, like we talked about mm -hmm. 2005, so yeah. you know, pretty much the same thing. So this isn't unprecedented, but it certainly is very rare. Mm. Once again, my guest is uh, Chief Meteorologist at DTN, Jim Forster, one of the largest companies in the world for meteorology. Uh, Mr. Forster, thank you so much for coming on the show and helping uh, my audience make sense of this, make sense of this um, whole hurricane season right now. Well, thank you, Jeremiah. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. If you looked at America like a bird and that was all you knew, would you really understand it with just that point of view? We've got a different way to look at it from right here on the ground. We don't just see United States, we see United Towns. From where we sit, just down the street, near the post office, by the park, when we stop and look around, what we see are sparks. Sparks of hope, of compassion, of communities who stand firm when neighbors lift each other up, expecting nothing in return. We're grateful for what you bring and all the sparks you've shown and the thousands of towns that we get to call home. Welcome back. Earlier this week, the United States reported more than 100,000 coronavirus cases in a day. I was watching earlier um, yesterday on the news, as one person was saying, because we reported more than 120,000 coronavirus cases on Thursday. And I was watching as one person, as one doctor was saying on the news on, on Friday yesterday, that one day we will look back and say, oh, 120, oh, more than 121,000 coronavirus cases. That was a good day. I wish we could go back to that. And just hearing that from a doctor, from a medical professional is just absolutely terrifying. Um, this is the headline at the Yahoo News today. Quote, it's a slaughter. Doctors say of new coronavirus wave. The article continues, quote, Saturday was supposed to see the University of Virginia's football team face off against Louisville. But then the coronavirus got in the way. Nine players on Louisville teams had already been sickened. Then several more fell ill. 
With seven going into quarantine, the game was postponed. In central Massachusetts, 150 cases of the coronavirus have been linked to the Crossroads Community Church in Fitchburg. Quote, videos and photos posted to Crossroad public Facebook Crossroads' public Facebook page in weeks prior didn't seem to show anyone social distancing or wearing masks, one news report said. Quote, counties across Northern California moved to implement new restrictions with officials warning of widespread transmission across the state. In Amarillo and in Amarillo, Texas, a kindergartner reportedly died of COVID-19, the disease caused by the coronavirus. In Missouri, the disease claimed the life of an election poll worker. The coronavirus pandemic that has killed more than a quarter million Americans did not take a break for the last for last weekend's Halloween celebration, for last weekend's Halloween holiday, nor for the presidential election that followed, nor for the subsequent days of political turmoil that continued into this weekend. Nor has the frustratingly resilient pathogen shown much sympathy for American for Americans' growing weariness, their desire to see schools and businesses to reopen, for unremitting talk of social distancing and learning pods to be relegated to a distant memory. If anything, the virus appears to be strengthening, killing more than one thousand one killing more than one thousand Americans every day. This week, while recording more than 100,000 daily infections, more than 50,000 people across the nation are hospitalized. The share of coronavirus diagnostic tests coming back positive has risen to 8.2%. Uh, once again, this is reporting from, from Yahoo News. They continue, quote, last week's share of positive tests was a markedly lower 7.2%. Dr. Peter Hotez, dean of the National School of Tropical Medicine at Baylor, on essentially taking stock of the national health situation, said, quote, the numbers are pretty scary, end quote. Uh, just overwhelmed hospitals. These are deaths that could have been prevented. And we right now are in a catastrophic situation. Yesterday, um, excuse me, today, Texas recorded more than 1 million coronavirus cases. Texas has now crossed that number. One, more than 1 million coronavirus cases now in the, the state of Texas. Um, as Joe Biden won the presidential election today, essentially now becoming the president-elect, scientists are now relieved. This is the headline at, at BuzzFeed News. Quote, scientists are relieved about a Biden presidency. They say the real work can start now. Here's the SEP headline. Quote, after four years of relentless attacks on science, science researchers and doctors are hopeful about hopeful that Biden will fight the pandemic and climate change. Continues, quote, for scientists who have watched in horror as President Donald Trump relentlessly insulted, undermined, and ignored science, while more than 236,000 Americans died during a, during a historic pandemic, Joe Biden's victory on Saturday was a long-awaited cause for celebration. Quote, it feels very much like the four-year war on science has come to an end. Jacqueline Gill, an ecologist at the University of Maine, told BuzzFeed News, Another scientist saying, quote, I feel a huge sense of relief, quote, said Jennifer Glass, associate professor of astrobiology at the Georgia Institute of Technology. Quote, I feel I finally feel hope again after four years of attacks on science and facts. Quote, this is from one more scientist, my last one here. Quote, I am ecstatic, said Bob Watcher, chair of the University of California at San Francisco's Department of Medicine. Quote, it's a victory for science and it gives us some hope. 
that we will write things, not only for COVID specifically, but for the general approach that our government is taking toward, toward science, truth, and competence. And yet, even though Biden received a historic number of votes to clinch the presidency, scientists said that widespread show of support for Trump shows how much work remains to be done. End quote. Once again, that was reporting from Jesse Remarkable reporters at BuzzFeed News talking about the coronavirus pandemic and scientists now saying that this is a huge relief for them. Uh, Joe Biden winning the presidency of the United States now becoming the president-elect and no more relentless attacks on the integrity of science and finally getting down to the truth of what is happening right now in our nation as cases continue to rise exponentially and we now have a president-elect. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Jeremiah Patterson Show. I really appreciate it. Please join me tomorrow for Sunday's episode. Have a great day and I'll see you then.